today's reading is Luke 15, verses 1 to 7, the parable of the scandalous shepherd. Now all of the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Good morning. The scandalous shepherd and the traumatised sheep. As I took my seat, I was aware of my anxiety. I was starting a familiar journey, and yet my surroundings felt so different. Face mask was on, and hands had been sanitised, but the carriage was eerily empty. A few more people got on at the next station, and thankfully no one sat too close. I let out a deep sigh, my glasses steamed up. As I sat there on my first tube journey after lockdown, I realised how lost I felt. As with others, I was adjusting to the new travel norms, plus the last few days had been challenging. My mother had at last been admitted into a care home due to her increased confusion through dementia and we had had the unnerving experience of handing over mum to strangers on the steps of her new residence, not knowing when we would see her again. Yes, I felt lost. And where on earth was God in all this? My brain tends to work in pictures. And as I sat on the underground carriage, the image of a lost sheep came to mind. And of course, the familiar parable that Jesus taught, recorded in Luke and Matthew's Gospels. Images of Sunday school classes grabbed my attention. Collages made out of cotton wool and pipe cleaners and the, pipe, and the point being made that the lost sheep went astray. And therefore, it was a bad sheep for leaving the herd. But as I began to think about it, was this sheep really bad for becoming lost? Over the past few months, I have found myself continually drawn to this parable and the images of a cute sheep being made out of cotton wool, who was bad, has been replaced with an understanding regarding the depth of a very human experience of feeling lost, and disorientated, and that our lostness is not simply about us being bad. Sheep do not simply leave a herd, 
They are very social beings, and it is usually with good reason that a sheep becomes lost. For example, in March 2013, blizzards hit the UK, which was desperately difficult for some UK farmers as sheep and newborn lambs were left stranded in snowdrifts. Sheep get lost in storms, or they become sick, or get injured on uneven terrain in such a way that the sheep is trapped, unable to get up. As I said earlier, feeling lost and disorientated is a part of the human condition, and experiencing lostness is also a significant dynamic of the faith journey. I don't believe that this is simply a story about the sinner out there, the non-Christian who once and for all has a faith awakening and never feels isolated, alone and lost again. Now I yearn to be back in church and with the organ playing, gosh how I miss that, and singing the hymns that I love, including Amazing Grace. And I apologise now to anyone who will be standing in close proximity when I ne next sing that hymn in church, as I will bout out the words, I once was lost, but now I'm found. However, if I was honest about my faith journey, it doesn't really fit in with a neat before and after story. And the experience of lostness comes in many ways. When we lose our sense of belonging, when we lose our capacity to trust, when we lose our felt experience of God, when we lose the energy to persevere. Sometimes we feel lost when illness descends or when death seems to come too soon for a loved one and our faith is in crisis. Some of us experience loss when relationships are ruptured or when we face redundancy. And yes, we can experience lostness in addictions, or when we feel hatred and bitterness, or when we lose confidence in political systems as they no longer uphold values that we cherish. When the table of bread and wine that once nourished us is now bewildering. Now, I think it is important to remember that the parable, alongside many as other aspects of Jesus' life, scandalised many of the listeners. And the, and the story of the lost sheep in, in Luke's gospel is told in response to the Pharisees who were outraged by Jesus' lack of purity. A religious teacher didn't mix with those who were considered unclean, never mind share a meal with them. And in a way, Jesus' use of imagery here would have been familiar with the Pharisees. Aspects of God being likened to a shepherd is rooted in Hebrew scriptures. But what would possibly have scandalized the Pharisees is the recognition, the idea that it's in the lostness, in the unclean, in the mess of life, that God can be found. And that's what's so amazing. 
and indeed scandalous about God's grace. You see, the Pharisees, I think, were probably trying desperately to find God. But for them, it was about a type of religious perfectionism that depended upon their effort to make themselves worthy in God's eyes. Whereas Jesus came along and provided a different path to God that has relationship at its centre. He sat with the lost. Indeed, if the parable is to believe, God's love is found in our lostness and vulnerability. The shepherd, aware of the lost sheep, seeks out to find it. For many of us, it's such a familiar aspect of this parable, and yet it's a stunning dynamic. As Pope Francis points out, the only living being who moves in this parable is the shepherd. And in relation to understanding God's grace, that's significant. When I first came to Bloomsbury, it was my first experience of attending a Baptist church regularly. As some of you know, it took a little while for me to feel at home in a new church tradition. But one of the significant parts of my Baptist journey was my first communion service. I remember doing a little piece of research so I knew what to expect, that the bread and the wine would be brought to us in the pew. And yet I was really caught off guard by that simple act. The bread and the wine was brought to me. I didn't have to move. I simply had to receive. Another familiar image of this parable of the shepherd is of the shepherd carrying the sheep on his shoulders back to the herd. Now, I've been doing a little research in regard to shepherding and the psychology of sheep with some of my family as sheep farming has been an aspect of their recent history. I was reliably informed that some sheep, when they are traumatized, they dead and don't move. And indeed, part of the trauma for a sheep would be the level of isolation that they experienced when separated from the, from the herd. I was also reliably informed that in contemporary farming, the sheep would be brought back to the herd on a quad bike rather than being carried on the shepherd's shoulders, which um, doesn't quite have the same image in my mind. God is where the lost are. Perhaps God does God's best work when I'm utterly afraid, unable to move, unable to find or be myself, when I have to let him carry me upon his shoulders. All I have to do is to receive from him. Well, perhaps for many of us, our dependency upon God's grace isn't an easy path. We want to be strong, in control, prove our sense of worth, show others that we can carry on in the toughest of storms. Perhaps for some of us, 
to admit our lostness and let ourselves be carried is one of the biggest challenges of our faith journey. At the conclusion of the parable, Jesus focuses on rejoicing because a lost soul has repented and has been carried back to the fold. Now, over the years, the word repentance has had a strange fascination for me, and there's a whole other sermon to be had there. But I would just say about the root of the word in Greek is metanoia, which means changing of heart and mind. Jesus came to be with those who were lost. And by being with them, with us, hope is given by receiving his love, God's grace. That our hearts and minds are changed as we discover and rediscover and rediscover time and time again that we are of worth, a child of God. Where is God in all this? God looks for us when our lossless is so absolute that we can't even pretend to look for God. But even in that bleak place, God finds us. This is amazing grace, and it's ours. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse and heal, to minister his grace. No work too hard for him in faith receive from him. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. In faith receive from him. Amen. Thank you, Martin. And as we take a moment of silence and reflection to, to think on what we've just heard, I again encourage people to put their thoughts and reflections in the chat for all to see and discuss. But now if I could ask the panelists to uh, turn on their videos and unmute and join me ready for the discussion. Martin, thank you. I uh, have a page of notes here that I was taking as you were going through where different things struck me. Um, I particularly liked that reflection on whether or not the, the faith journey has that neat before and after moment of being um, lost, 
and found um, without necessarily having the subsequent wondering that would follow um, that you described in the multiple different challenges that can come to one's confidence of faith. Um, but I'm going to open this up to the panel and say, does anyone have anything that particularly struck them through the sermon or reflections that stood out to them? Martin, I thought it was really powerful. Thank you so much for your words. Um, and I thought it was really interesting um, in that you spoke of your first communion in a Baptist church um, and how the bread and wine was like brought to you in person during that time and how that mirrored um, the shepherd's um, movement and kind of the shepherd being the only one not being um, static in, in that parable. Um, I thought was um, I thought that was a really interesting observation. Um, I am a math geek and I really like Greek and Latin like derivatives. Um, so I was really interested to know that. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. So you said that the Greek for repentance is metanoia, the changing of hearts and minds. Yeah. Um, was that was that right? Yeah. Did I get yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. So I, I studied theology um, for my first degree before I went into nursing and <clears throat> so many sermons. So I, I only became a Christian last year and so many sermons that either Simon or other people like yourself have given um, kind of bringing in um, these, these beautiful, um, you know, Greek or ancient Hebrew words. And they remind me um, of like my, my own faith journey um, and how God kind of found me like within all that mess and brokenness um I, like I live with mental health problems so like very literal mess and brokenness um and I think that I think that being reminded at this time of confusion and loss that God is with us is um is incredibly moving and powerful so thank you Thank you very much. I, th I think it's so easy to kind of, like you said, to kind of um, to have our to have our loss as be that relating to God, if that makes sense. Like I think a lot of time, because quite a few of my friends are um, are not Christians, and so I think for a lot of them, um, you know, they they would question where God is. But I think um, your your sermonette was even more powerful, reminding us that actually. It, it is this vulnerable, it is this vulnerability and this time of, of loss and disorientation where God potentially does do God's best work. So thank you. I also see Dermot and Tim have put a comment in the chat, which I find very, very powerful. The lost sheep doesn't know that the shepherd is coming to look for it. Mm. So we can feel lost and alone. However, God is looking for us is with us but we don't necessarily feel it keith did you want to reflect at all i think right at this moment we're all um conscious of going into another lockdown and the loneliness or lostness that 
either we or other people will feel. And so the power of the sheep being lost and the shepherd finding the sheep and the power of a lot of people feeling lost, both physically, mentally, econ economically, um, and, and needing someone to find them, someone to encourage them. And, and what always I think of is if we talk about the kingdom of God being now, it's now because we as Christians are it. The love of God is, works through us. So it's us, it, we're the people who have to um, enact that love. Um, so <clears throat> it falls on us now, right, right this minute, to, to provide God's love to a lot of people that we know or know about who are going to be lonely in the next month. So that parallel with the shepherd, I, I, I could see those sort of, the two working together. Yeah, I also see in that, that um, comment really towards the religious, who are the ones who are striving to be the good sheep that never leave the flock. And yet the shepherd is going out. Yes, he values them because the flock is valuable, but he's going out to seek the missing. And Martin's um, comment that God is to be found looking for the lost was something that struck me as well. It's one of the ones I made note of. Solomon, I've uh, not told yes. you this yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just about thanking Martin for such a powerful message. Um, what stood out for me, I would agree with Martin, is that uh, I think loss is a, a fundamental issue in, in our faith. It's a, very, very fundamental for us and how to process it is not easy. It's way out to process loss. And we tend to ask too many questions and why and how, you know, when we go through grief and lost something. And for me, I think uh, as a person of faith, I think as Christians, we, we, can, we can't get any consolation anywhere else than in our faith is to believe that uh, God is out there, you know, there to console us in whatever situation that we might go through. I think that, that, that stood out for me very strongly. Thank you, Solomon. I also see a, a couple of chat items. One... I don't know if Peter can actually read what the tapestry behind me is, but that is the footprints poem that Peter refers to. Um, I do encourage those that are not familiar with it to uh, go and look it up. It is a very, very powerful allegory of God carrying us when we are at our time of most need. But Nigel, yes, your point with regards ministers is equally true. A minister in a former church remind, of mine said that a minister should be a shepherd and not a sheepdog. It is worth remembering that this parable is about a shepherd, not a sheepdog, going to seek and bring back the lost, not going out to harass and round up the stray. And it's a very, it's a very different way of thinking about things, Nigel, but yes, I very much agree. Yeah. Um, I also, Martin, I... I, as a musician, I appreciated your references to various hymns during the sermon. Um, 
I shall now have some fun probably playing through Be Still and Know that uh, I know is a tune and a set of words that carries so much power. Like you, I look forward to the opportunity to um, gather and sing together again because I believe that that will be a time for rejoicing hearts, um, even those of us that are less capable of hitting and holding a note will uh, be going with gusto, I expect. Martin, thank you very much. We now come to our time of intercession. So I ask Keith to bring us the prayers that he has prepared. I will use some words that we've used before to bring our thoughts together. Love never fails. Even in the darkest moments, love gives hope. Love compels us to fight against coronavirus alongside our sisters and brothers living in poverty. Love compels us to stand together in prayer with our neighbors near and far. Love compels us to give and act as one. Now it is clear that our futures are bound together more tightly than ever before. As we pray in our individual homes, around the nation and around the world, we are united as one family. So let us pause and give a find a moment of peace as we lift up our hearts together in prayer. Dear God, as we come before you in prayer, we recognize that, especially at times like this, we all depend on so many people who work to maintain our lives. So we give you thanks for health and care workers who look after us, whether we are young, old, strong or weak. The farmers, importers, factory workers, supermarket workers and delivery drivers who keep supplies of food coming. Those who bring us news and entertainment. Those in government and local authorities who endeavour to manage this crisis. And all those we don't think about, from postmen to plumbers, without whom our lives would not be so comfortable. As we give you thanks and recognise how in all these areas of our lives, your love touches us. We thank you especially for our families and friends who continue to lift us up in these times of uncertainty. That love that we see around us reminds us to pray and to act for those who live in this same world of uncertainty and danger, but lack so much that we take for granted. We think especially of those that we know who are unwell or lonely or caring for a loved one or have been bereaved. We think of Fred Mardell's family and Emily Langley's family. Be with them. Help us to pray, help us we pray, to love them all as you have loved us. We think too of those we do not know, but whose circumstances burn in our hearts. The continuous turmoil in the Middle East, the recent earthquake in Turkey, the refugees suffering at the hands of people traffickers and risking their lives in the English Channel. God, be their healer, comfort and protection. Be their strength 
shield and provision. Be their security, safety and close companion. Give us, we pray, the conviction to support the volunteers and agencies working with them. And here at Bloomsbury, help us, we pray, to understand the power of your love. Love compels us to stand together in prayer with our neighbours near and far. Love compels us to give and act as one. These are frightening times, O oh God. We need to hear the words of the Good Shepherd, your own son, now more than ever. Don't be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So help us, O oh God, in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.